Today is the day to wake, work, and win. Welcome to The Standard. Jim Hensel of Mayhem Mindset. Welcome to the show, bud. Thanks, guys. Man, I'm excited about being on. Appreciate it. Hey, Jim, we know you're big on purpose. You know, that's uh, one of the things when people, if they Google you or they go onto your website, CrossFit, whatever, the mindset training through Mayhem Mindset, a lot of it is purpose. How did you come about to, you know, figure that that's the path you want to take to help people out, uh, to help them find purpose in their life? Yeah, the journey for me to where I'm at today really kind of started almost 20 years ago, right around testing for Aurora Fire. My brother and I, we were on the same list and got job offers from Aurora Fire at the same time, which is 19 years ago. I think he'll have been on come August, 19 years now. So I was in a position I'll, I'll, I'll never forget, and probably the toughest time in my life was 20 years ago, 19 years ago, and my my wife had left. Uh, my daughters were three and five years old at that point. And I remember, I remember I, I Rob and I were running a, a commercial painting company. And I remember getting the phone call that I had been hired or I was being offered a job with Aurora Fire. And I was in Wellington, Colorado, out back of this little ranch house, painting the trim on the back of this little ranch house. And I remember knowing in my heart that there was no way I could take the job because I wasn't going to have any support. I knew I was going to be raising these two little girls and that just the scheduling and what, what would be required of me, especially initially on the job was something I just wasn't willing to make a commitment to do. I really wanted to, I knew I was going to need to be in those girls' lives on an everyday basis. So it's kind of crazy that we're having this conversation. I remember I, I literally kicked over the ladder in frustration, there was a paint bucket on top of the ladder. I remember it flying all over the dirt and, and knowing in my heart, man, you're not, you're, you're not going to take this job. You're going to, you're going to keep painting and you're going to do what you have to do to be in the, in your daughter's lives every day. And uh, so that's kind of where that whole thing started. I, I was putting the girls to sleep one night and I went upstairs and I, I put in the movie Gladiator. You know, I think, I think anybody probably listening to this this podcast has probably heard or watched Gladiator. And there's this scene where Commodus, who is the, you know, who is the young Caesar who's killed his father, is kind of squared off with Maximus, who is the general who's now been made a gladiator and a slave. And in this moment, Commodus demands that Maximus take off his helmet and define himself. And Maximus says, my name is Maximus, you know, general of the Felix armies. And he goes to this whole, this is who I am. This is what I believe. And this is what I'm going to do. This kind of comes out of his mouth in his darkest times. And I'm, I'm sitting in this space. My wife is now gone. It's the toughest time I've ever had to deal with. I'm, I'm probably clinically depressed at that point for sure. And if it hadn't have been that I had the responsibilities of those daughters, I'm not sure what would have happened to me. And the realization was, I don't really know who I am. I don't really know where I'm going. And really, my dad kind of owns the language that's floating around in my head or the pastor of the church. I'm just kind of reciting what he said. I don't really own any of it. And so in that moment, watching that movie, I got motivated. 
and I decided to write my own code for my life. So it took me about six months and I just started writing about who I was and what I believed and where I was going in life. Then I narrowed it all the way down to something that I called the strength and honor code. And I had an artist create a tattoo and I put it on my arm and I memorized the whole thing. And from that point on in my life, I began to make every choice and decision based on my personal code, based on my personal philosophy. And so that's where it started. Now, 20 years later, I'm doing it for a living and it, it evolved from something that I had just created for myself to something that I began to just work individually with men with. And I, I just thought, man, if, if this helped me, maybe it'll help somebody else. And so um, that was kind of the origin and how I arrived at where I'm at now. How do you think most people make decisions in their life? It seems like you can do it with however you're feeling at the time or in your case, it seems like you have written things down in a way that you want to live your life and then kind of use that almost as like a filter. I feel like, you know, it's going to be small steps to begin. You know, like the changes you're talking about making, it's going to start small. So, like, is that how it was for you? Was it, you know, you watch the movie, you make these decisions and you immediately see results or did it take some time? Yeah, you know, as I progressed through this process, I began to really learn more about psychology and then the physiology of who we are as human beings. And so one of the things that we know that's a fact is that if we don't put into language who we are and what we believe, if it's not in language, it's not a tool. Our thoughts are mediated by how we speak. And so as a human being, we know that the limbic part of our brain is going to fire first and that the limbic part of our brain, it deals with the emotion and the neocortex is what fires second. The neocortex deals with language. And so what I realized about my life and then what's proven to be true with a lot of people that I now work with is that they're making most of their choices and decisions predominantly based on emotion, not on critical thinking and for sure not on really what they believe. And so what I realized was when I sat down and I organized my core values and I wrote a personal mission statement and a purpose statement for my life based on a real authentic search through my heart and my life about what it was I really believed. And once I owned that and had that language, then I had a tool. I actually had a tool to be able to anchor to. And I'm, I say now positive values anchor you through adversity and ground you in success. And so um, I had this tool to be able to um, arrest my emotions when my emotions were going to betray me. And we all know we're all human. We know that at some point in our life, how we feel gets in the way of what we really actually want to do. Life wouldn't be what it is. It wouldn't be full of meaning without emotion. So I'm all about emotion. What would love be without emotion? What would the thrill of victory, the agony of defeat be without emotion? So I'm all about that. But what I realized was when I when I had written that code for my life and I and I, I paused for at least 24 hours before I made a big choice or a decision in my life. And then I aimed at that truth in my life. My life began to straighten out in every way. And so the things that the immaturities in my life and the things that had haunted me in the past began to fall to the wayside when I would hold myself accountable to my code. And so, you know, you asked me for. Um, we're talking finances. We're talking about what I was going to put in my body to eat, um, relationship decisions, all those kinds of de decisions. There wasn't one thing that I didn't run through this filter. It became a filter. Fight, work, hope, faith, team, family, excellence, purpose, responsibility, love, and freedom. 
These were these 10 core values and they weren't just cool words I wrote down. They were actually words that I had worked and that represented my strengths, my emotional weaknesses, and then the ideals that I really felt were important in my life. They weren't just something that got slapped up on a wall that I didn't use. It was actually kind of a living, breathing tool in my life. This episode is brought to you by us, more importantly, our Patreon, and most importantly, our Patreon members. If you like what you're hearing, think about joining us. Head on over to the-standard.us, and for as little as $3 a month, you can get extra episodes, discounts on gear, monthly conference calls. So head on over to our site at the-standard.us, and remember to always like and subscribe. Back to the show. We've listened to you a few times on Froning and Friends. Um, you and Rich have a podcast that uh, you, you're, you're on pretty regularly. And, you know, one thing, just listening to that, and I'm sure Craig could attest to this too, but it's just cool to see like-minded individuals find each other. And, like, there's obviously something going on there where, you know, you're in this room with high performers and one person pushes another person to go higher, and then another person pushes another person to go higher, and the group collectively gets better. But that's just, I, I just listening to some of those episodes just reminded me how important it is to find people that will push you. You know, like w- what's it like being around, you know, the world's fittest man, you know, so to speak? I mean, I think he's like three or four times he's won now, but w- what's it like being around people like that? I think it also helps having a group that holds you accountable. And I don't think that you necessarily need to have people who challenge, like in your challenge network, I guess you'd call it, do the same exact job as you. Now you think, need some diversity. Yeah, sure. you need to like, but I think the, the core of it is, is people that are going to hold you accountable and push you to be better. Yeah, yeah, that's 100% the truth. And it's interesting, I... My partnership with Rich in Mayhem Mindset now is about two years old, and my connection to Rich, I've, I've never taught Rich anything about CrossFit as far as uh, the sports piece. That wasn't where our interaction or our connection was. Uh, I came into Rich's, Rich's life as he was beginning to think about a transition from being a, you know, a full-time athlete to you know, moving on in his career and his life, and so as time has gone by, I've worked with a lot of professional athletes in transition or a lot of business owners in transition to, to regroup and kind of stop right where you're at and go back through who am I, what do I believe and where am I going and really, and really sharpen and hone that so that you've got a track to run down and truth to aim at in the next phase of your life. And so that's kind of where I came, I, I came into relationship with Rich. I think that if you were to take our core values and you were to throw them all out on the table, our values overlap in many ways. He would say things different than I would say things, but who we are and what we believe and, and what we look at as purpose and meaning in life is, is similar. And I think you're going to find that at CrossFit Mayhem. You're going to see a bunch of athletes who are in their design, very competitive. It's just a part of who they are. It pours out of the middle of who they be. I call it your B. This is your values, your talents, and your purpose. And so you're going to find people who are aligned in that way. And we believe that success and winning and success is a byproduct of, of living in purpose and meaning. We believe in competing for something that's 
more than just self, more than it's, it's ego. And so uh, you're going to find a, a close-knit community of people that all think the same way. And it has a lot to do with the success that you see when it comes to the sport of CrossFit. You think you could have found your mission statement or code without going through such hardship? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really good question. And, and everything that I do now starts with this question. This is the question that I pose to any, anybody that I'm working with, like any client, any coach. And, and this is the question. In your greatest moment of opportunity or your darkest hour, will you be enough? Can you count on yourself and can other people count on you? So to answer your question directly, yes, I think you can find that out. And I think there are two places where you find it. You find it in opportunity missed or opportunity made, or you find it in a dark time that sends you spinning or in a dark time that you're able to move through. You know, it's, it's interesting. If I get in front of a group of people, um, let's say there's 100 people in the room and I'll talk about what I think is important and this idea of defining yourself and and creating a code, writing personal philosophy, it's usually, honestly, 80% of the room is glazed over and they're thinking about something else. And maybe eight to 10 people in the room are staring holes through me because whatever particular moment they're at in their life, what I'm saying resonates with them. And so, you know, it's interesting for different people now having the opportunity over the, over the last 19, 20 years to work with literally thousands of people Everybody arrives at that space where this kind of knowing, this kind of information about your life is important. Usually I find it when someone's saying, man, I have this giant opportunity. I don't want to miss it. What do I need to do to be clear? Or man, I'm in this really hard time. How do I get through this? I'm drowning here. So I'm curious, you know, with, you know, you provide that example of you're talking to a room of a hundred people and 80% are either disengaged or you can't reach them. I think that's pretty common across the fire service, across most industries. But what do you do to reach these people? Because, I mean, we know who the 80% are in in the people we work with. And sometimes they'll, like, jump on the ship, right? I mean, sometimes they'll be there. And then the, the crux is, is once that leaves or that person leaves or whatever's motivating them leaves, then they fall right back into that 80% where they're disengaged. So, I mean, what, what are some similarities, some traits you see in this 80%? Yeah, and I think you touched on a couple of things. It's just, just the momentum of this culture that we live in. And I'm not even talking about anything nefarious. I'm just mean the momentum of the culture, the input that we have to deal with. We know physiologically and, and psychologically, we have to process whatever comes through our eyes. Whatever we see, we've got to deal with. And there's so much science that talks about that. And we are bombarded on a daily basis with input. So just the momentum of the culture shoves people around. And, and so you find people who are, they're full. They can't take any more input. And, you know, a lot of people are comfortable. There are a lot of people who they're, they're super successful right now. They're making great money. I'm working with a, a whole subset of kind of CEO type guys that are super successful. And when I walk into the room, man, they're making a ton of money. I, I had a guy in Texas the other day come up to me and this was a, this is in a room with, you had to be worth $20 million and you had to be under the age of 40. So that's the kind of guy that's in the room. So these guys, 
these guys make way more money than I make in life. And this, this guy walks up to me and he looks at me after I got done talking and he, he's sort of kind of really uncomfortable and he won't stand in front of me and, and he kind of keeps moving to my side. So I finally stopped trying to kind of follow him around. And he says to me, he says, I know I make way more money than you do because I'm, I make way more money than most of the men in this room, but I would give anything to live with the kind of purpose that you live with. And so what, what I see is that these guys, they don't have purpose and meaning in their relationships. They got a bunch of money in their bank account, but now they're getting into their 30s and their 40s and they're reala realizing that these relationships that they want deep, meaningful relationships with or people that they want deep, meaningful relationships with, they're, they're missing it. Their wives aren't paying attention to them. Their children aren't paying attention to them. So I think culturally it runs the gamut. I take it back to you know, the guy who's super struggling or the, or the gal who's, who's in an opportunity where all of a sudden having this kind of understanding would bring clarity and would be something that would anchor them off in their life. You mentioned in the past about the difference being being ready and being prepared. And I think for a lot of us, those feel like synonymous words that if I am ready, I am prepared. But you think there's kind of a big difference between the two. Yeah, you know, it's really interesting having a small amount of experience as a firefighter. I did that for a few years, taking those two words and applying it to what you, what you guys do for a living based on the definitions that I'll kind of give you here. It ends up being really important. And I, and this is a really easy filter for me too, to use when I'm dealing with athletes to me, ready is an emotional statement. And I think, let me, let me back up just one second and say, I think the definition of words are really important. I think it's super important to always really kind of put a framework up about what you're talking about when you start to talk about who you are and what you believe and what words mean to you. I believe that that there is power in what we say for sure, especially if you're going through this process. What you write about yourself ends up being key. It ends up being really important. So I, I, I place a lot of weight on words. So to me, ready is everybody's always ready. Guys are always ready. They're always emotionally they can get their self into a place where they feel like they're emotionally ready to jump in there. Prepared is something different. Prepared is doing the work, having done the work to actually be successful, to actually carry the weight, to actually shoulder the burden. And so, you know, I'm, I probably won't say it like I told you the other day, but everybody's always freaking ready. And I, and I kind of avoid guys or gals who talk and, and who, uh, emotion, emotion's a great fire starter. Emotion is a great thing to get us rolling, but emotion is not sustainable fuel. The challenge of the workout or the challenge of whatever the burden is you've got to carry in that moment, you're gonna need to have something more past emotion. You're gonna have to be able to connect to physical training, emotional training, and then be connected to something that's bigger than just the emotion of being ready. Do you think ready is synonymous with motivated and you could look at prepared as more being disciplined? Yeah, I like both of those words and I, I would use them just the way that you, just the way that you used them. The, the mayhem mindset, I call it a game. The mayhem mindset game is a, is a process. It's not motivation. I'm not here to motivate you. Matter of fact, in what I do, if you can't motivate yourself, if you can't bring yourself use the emotion and then generate energy based on values, you'll never survive the process. 
you wouldn't be capable of getting through what it would take to actually get through the process. And I find that a lot in life. If somebody is, I, that's why I hate the idea of being connected as a motivational speaker, or I hate a lot of the motivational type things that we see out there. Just F it, come forward, just do it. You know, that kind of a thing. There's a lot of that motivational stuff out there and it's, it's not sustainable. It's not what I do and it's not sustainable. Although I believe in being motivated and I believe that emotion on the front end is a really positive thing, I think we have to learn how to capture our emotions and we have to be intentional. I don't believe in balance. I believe intent. Balance to me means that you can be pretty good at a lot of things. I'm not interested in being pretty good at a lot of things. I want to be great at a few things. So I believe in being very intentional and I believe that putting in the work necessary to be prepared. So last night I'm watching Free Solo. That'll make your palm sweat. A little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Hanging on the side of the mountain, no ropes. I think you could do it. You're a lanky dude. Not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. I can't even hang on the side of my house. You know, we had a guy at work that started doing that a, a couple of years ago. We were at Station 4. I don't know if you were there, and he just starts climbing the wall. Oh, and then he like brick wall. He bailed, impressive. bailed off the top. No. He's wrapping rope he's around fine. his body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it was funny because so Alex Honnold, guy, climber, he goes, Nothing great will come of anything you do in life if you're happy and cozy. Do you agree with that? 100%. I mean, when you're happy and cozy, it's nice, but you, those aren't the things you look back on and go, man, I'm proud of that. Or Yeah, know. I mean, you look even something like raising kids. You know, like you're... It's not always happy and cozy. No. <laughs> Marriage, very... not always happy and cozy. The job, like everything, right? Right. I mean, what do you think about that? Do you, you think you need to be comfortable being uncomfortable to do things like great in life? Yeah, I 100% agree with that. I can give you kind of a CrossFit example. It's, it's always interesting when people come to the gym, they come here and they get around these, they get around Rich Froning, they get around these elite CrossFit athletes and there's no music being played or it's praise and worship music. It's church music. Rich is really, one of his core values is faith. And so he'll put on something that's very, very chill, very mellow. And then he'll do the workout like that and, you know, post a time that's one of the best times in the world if it's the open or, you know, just smash some workout. And people come in here and they're, they're blown away by, well, you know, why don't you, God, that's the music you're going to listen to? Don't, don't you want to get jazz? Don't you want to get jacked? Don't you? No, no, actually, no, we don't want to do any of that. Let's, let's take a big giant step back and think about that. In order to, to physically be everything that you need to be, you need your emotions to be under control and you need your body to be under control. We need our heart rates to be low. We need our respiration rates to be low. We need all that to be super controlled. If all of that starts to rise, then we start to lose fine motor skills and we can't perform and we can't compete. So we don't want to be in a position to have to be motivated by emotion. We want to be fully capable of generating. And this is how we talk about it. We talk about obviously emotions being connected to what we feel. And then we talk about energy being connected to what we believe. We want to be able to be fully present right here, right now. I want to be right where my feet are. I want to arrive with my emotions under control, my heart rate, my respiration rate, all of that absolutely 100% percent under control so that I can compete physically at a hundred percent of what I'm capable of competing at. 
And so that's the idea right there from start of being prepared for the workout, not ready for the workout, but prepared. We talk about it in terms of whatever, like some of us, some of us need to generate a little bit more emotion in the beginning and that's good. And we need to know what that is. And so we work at that. There's not a template that's right for every one of these athletes here. Some needs to come in and be a little more hyped up and get their heart beating a little bit faster. And then some, some of the athletes, we don't want any emotion from them. It just depends on who they are and how that works best in their life. So that would be a, you know, a practical explanation of how that works here in the gym. And then we want to apply that in life too. We want to know, Hey, where can my emotions be at in a conversation with my wife? If we're not getting along and I actually haven't put numbers to it. One to 10, you know, if one is, is one is an emotional, not kind of your emotions are nowhere involved and you're very cerebral all the way to 10 is your emotions are completely out of control. Where can you communicate best with your wife? Oh, oh, okay. A four. All right. Let's think about being at a four emotionally. And then whatever I do after that four has to be connected to who I am and what I believe. The four is where the emotions quit and the critical thinking kicks in. And everything else I say after that is connected to my values, who I am, to my code and what I believe. I'm going to capture my ego. I'm going to capture my emotions and I'm going to do I'm going to do the right thing in this conversation. So there's an example of how it would work in CrossFit and how it would work in life. I think a lot of people use music for motivation. I mean, the, the heavier the music, or I guess for some people, the harder you work out. But, you know, those headphones aren't going to be on. Not there on the fire ground. On the fire ground. No. <laughs> and so it's almost like when you work out with that type of music, you're setting yourself up almost like for failure. That I don't know that much. You don't think I so? Just, I just think I think it maybe creates a little bit more discipline to like get after it, like when you don't have something external motivating you, you know, because you're not going to have that when you need it. Right. You know, on the big stuff. I don't know if it's a crux, though. You know, it's a. It. I think it's a. Uh, I do think it's a crutch. Okay. I don't know. It, I mean, what do you think, Jim? Do you use music when you work out or? Is there anything you guys do, uh, you know, at your gym, you know, do you sometimes not work out with music? For sure. I, I listen to, I listen, it, it depends on what I'm doing. You know, working out and training are two very different things. Um, working out means we're just doing some fitness things for the day and we're kind of more enjoying things and training means we're, it's, it's with a purpose, you know, compete wise, you know what I mean? So if I'm working out, I'll listen to some music. If I'm, if I'm training, I probably will not. I want to be able to, you know, I want to be alone in my head and I want to work out. I want to train at, at a deficit. I want to be fully present and I want to do something that makes it hard for me. You know, it's really funny. Sometimes I'll challenge people. This is something that uh, anybody can do. See if you can go a couple of days without listening to your radio without listening to a podcast, without tuning into the news. See if you can go a couple of days without doing that. See what happens inside your head and your heart and what your response to all that is. I really honestly believe this. My question to you and to the audience is, are you really free? I want to know if you're really free. I want to know if you're actually an influencer or if you're being influenced. Here's what happens. The reason why these questions are important is because in life, when it comes to this, this dark moment of this challenge or this opportunity that you have, you've got to be able to be present. 
You've got to be able to critically think about who you are and what you believe in that moment, right? You have to have practiced at it and it's got to be a tool. So I make space every day in my life and it's at least 30 minutes when I get out of bed. I do not connect to any sort of input, whether that's the news, ESPN, email, any kind of social media. Because what happens is, as soon as I hit the ground and I'm, and I'm connected to something, from that moment on, I'm being influenced. I'm following whatever that influence is in my life. And I want to make sure that I go to my email, I go to my social media, I go to whatever I'm doing with intent. And we talked about the difference between being intentional and balanced a little bit earlier, but I want to be super intentional and I want to be free about it. I want to make sure that I'm influencing my choices and decisions during the day. And I think for most people now, the way that this is kind of how the momentum of the culture takes over, most people wake up immediately and they're immediately connected to something that's influencing their day. So in, in workout terms, I want, to, I want to put the athletes in the toughest possible spot. So if, if they're reliant on music, then I want to take the music from them. I want to do whatever it takes to put them in a space where they have to fight hard to learn how to be super present. And if we can make the training environment tougher than the actual competition, then the you know competition is just another day. And I think that goes for you guys, too, and what you do. If you can train hard, then, you know, rolling up on scene of a structure fire and what you got to do in that space, you're ready for it. Well, and let's use the right word. You're not ready for it. You're prepared for it. We obviously feel, and we've been talking about for years, is that fitness is the foundation of a good firefighter. You can be incredibly smart and wise about the job and and know all the tactics and your standard operating procedures, but if you can't perform on the fire ground, you're kind of useless. It's one of those main pillars we talk about, like the the well-rounded firefighter is physical, mental, behavioral, you know? Yeah, but you work with a bunch of different type of people, not necessarily... Uh, all high performers. I mean, how important is physical fitness just in general for the average Joe? I, I think that we're kind of three part beings and this wouldn't be, you know, any, this wouldn't be some great revelation. I think there's the mental side of who we are, the physical side of who we are and the spiritual side of who we are. And I think we have to continually come forward in all three of those areas all the time. So my advice to somebody in all three areas of that part of who we are as a human being is move. You got to move. You got to stay moving. Your job requires you to do a whole lot more moving than than maybe some other job. Um, you know what's required of you, you know, fitness wise is going to be something that's you know that that's maybe more than the guy that's working in the office down the street for sure. Um, we know for sure, and if you've ever if you've ever been fatigued, you know what I'm talking about. Fatigue turns you into a coward. There's no question that being super tired makes you not want to get up and move forward anymore. So I am an advocate for, I mean, somebody says, what do I do? I say, move and move forward. There's no neutral. You're either coming forward or you're going backwards. I'm 50 years old. My body won't do obviously at all, even close to what Rich Froning's body will do, but I have to pick my lane. I have to, I have to put adversity in front of me. We know that there isn't anything good physically going to happen unless we're willing to face adversity and we're willing to hurt. So I, I, I absolutely believe that we should, you should be doing some kind of work all the time as a human being mentally, 
cerebral-wise, to come forward. You should be challenging yourself. You should be reading a book. You should be learning something. You should be doing something new all the time. We should do that physically. And then I, I believe 100% that we need to be connected to a community of people spiritually that are challenging us. I love the idea of iron sharpening iron. I, I have a group of men in my life that I'm accountable to, that it's, it's not just some BS Bible study thing. It's actually guys that are in my life where I have a meaningful relationship with them. I, I got to be careful. Sometimes I get to talking fast and I say things that doesn't come out the way I meant to. I'm not saying that a Bible study is BS. I'm not saying that. But I am saying that some Bible studies are BS. That's what I'm saying. Hopefully that's clear. I get around guys that are connected in a way that's not very meaningful and they're really kind of wasting their time. And it's centered around a Bible study, and it's no different than the time that somebody would spend in a fantasy football league. So I'm challenging people to be super authentic and come forward in all three areas of those life in a way that's that's deep and meaningful. Let's go back and talk about finances a little bit because we brought it up briefly. But Craig, you and I, you know how how I've preached over the years how important it, it was for me at certain times in my career to be financially responsible and almost I don't know independent to it to a degree that I could make decisions at work that wouldn't affect I guess I, I I didn't let finances affect the way I make decisions like I didn't go for a promotion just for the money I didn't well you also were willing to fight with the possibility of losing your job losing your job or losing a spot whatever because right. it was what was right uh, Jim, for you, you know, going through a divorce with two daughters, I mean, it doesn't take a smart person to figure out that that's really hard on the on the pocketbook. And so for you, you know, how important was it to be financially responsible during those times? Like, it did, I'm sure it made a huge difference on the outcome. So the, the value of freedom, you heard me go through a list of words. And the value of freedom, which is one of my core values, is directly connected to, to my time and my finances. So if I were to describe what freedom means to me, it would be I'm, I'm seeing through the lens of freedom in terms of where I'm spending my time. And it, it's probably one of the most important lenses that I use as I look through what I'm getting ready to plan or do. And the second one would be my finances. And I absolutely... Early in my life, uh, made a disaster out of that, and I'm guilty of. I mean, I'm I'm not embarrassed to say I destroyed my credit. I messed it up. I borrowed money from people. You know, you know, shoot, shoot. My brother Rob, who you guys work work with, was there for me. I've got these two little girls, and and I just didn't do any of that right. And it took me, you know, a decade to fix that and square it away. Now, on this side of things, I own everything. I own every car. I own my home. I don't have debt in my life. And it, it is absolutely foundationally key for me being successful where I'm at right now. I get to go and do what I want to do in life. I'm free to move about, free to, free to live in this idea of purpose and meaning because those those key components i'm paying attention to my time and i'm paying attention to my finances i can't overstate it initially when somebody comes to me and they want to start they want to start having a conversation about this idea of really living in meaning really living in purpose the first thing we're going to talk about is what are you putting in your body because if your body doesn't work 
you're, you're not going to live in purpose and meaning. You're going to deal with your body all the time. And then we're going to talk about the time that you spend. And then we're going to talk about your finances. And if you can, I mean, I have taught my children from the very beginning when I got it figured out and dug out of the hole, I said to them, hey, be careful, be careful who you're dating and who you connect your heart to. Be careful where you spend your time and be careful what you do with your money. Because if you make mistakes in any of those three areas, you won't live in 100% of your design or 100% of who God designed you to be. You're going to spend much of your time battling just to get clear of those bad choices and decisions. And it steals from you. It steals from your life. I have to be careful how I say something like this because people think that I'm being negative here. I, I think for me, I heard somebody say one time that one of life's main goals is to outrun regret. I'm a man who lives with regret. Now, let's be clear. What's happened in my past is not in my today and it's not in my future. And I'm not, I'm looking back to measure how far I've come for sure. I'm not being super negative here, but I choose to really look at things for what they are. I like to look right at the mistakes and go, okay, that's what those things were. And that's what they meant in life. And I want to keep that on the front burner so I don't mess that up moving forward. So your time, your relationship decisions, and your finances are going to be key if you want to live in purpose. So for people that haven't had the hardship like you, Jim, I mean, they might not have the perspective. And so there's a lot of value in having perspective and having experience. But for those that, you know, and and we don't hate on the people. And I, you can't hate on people for having less hardship, right? You don't wish that on anybody. But how do those people... I guess, get that perspective. Like, what are some things they can do? I came from, before coming to CrossFit Mayhem, I came out of the football world. So I was a player development coach. I was using this, this process in, at, a, at several different universities, mostly coaching football players. And then coming over to, to the CrossFit world, there was one real key component. And that key component was the CrossFit world understands adversity. They get adversity. The, the people who show up at the gym to work out, they're purposely running at some sort of physical adversity in their life. And so at the core, when you begin this idea uh, of defining yourself, I think it's, it's key to understand that you've got to be willing to be in adversity. Matter of fact, if you don't have adversity in your life, you need to manufacture some. I would help the, the person that I'm talking to. I would want to break down adversity and I would really kind of want to put it in some categories so we could be clear about it. I, I, I like to call adversity a dragon. Um, I like the idea of a medieval knight facing a dragon. So the adversity in my life is a dragon. And I, I, I would say to this young person, all right, let's, let's eliminate adversity that's from your stupidity, you know, from you doing dumb stuff. Let's eliminate that adversity and figure out, let's define that, and figure out where that's at in your life. Let's write it down. What are you doing that you're getting in your own way? Let's eliminate that dragon. What's the adversity that's not your fault? What keeps happening to you, the, the dragon that lands hard on you? Um, what, what do you keep dealing with? that maybe is not your fault, like, uh, like a divorce, your parents get divorced and you're, you're dealing with that kind of adversity. Let's, let's, let's frame that up a little bit and understand what that is a little bit and be able to quickly do the work that it takes to run that dragon into the corner and deal with that. And then the third category of adversity would be this intentional adversity that I'm going to run at 
in my life. Some of that's going to be physical. Some of that's going to be mental and some of that's going to be spiritual. So my first step would simply to be able to say to that young person, look at adversity, put it in its category, and then get really good at intentionally facing the adversity in your life that's going to bring growth and success. Know what that is and run at it. Jim, thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it. No, I really appreciate you guys uh, allowing me to be on. I really enjoyed the conversation. I do, I do want to say real quick, if, if somebody is interested in the Mayhem Mindset process and they go to mayhemmindset.com, the course is closed right now. So you couldn't get in it if you wanted to take the course right now. You couldn't. We open it up probably once a quarter. But if someone were to email, if you just email info at mayhemmindset.com and mention uh, the podcast, then we'll do something to open the course for you and get you in the course if it's something someone's interested in. I do want to say this. This is super, super important. And this is not this is not BS and this is not a sales technique at all. The Mayhem Mindset course is not for everybody. Don't take it if you're somebody who wants to be motivated. That's not what it's about. It's going to take at least 10 weeks of your time to do. It's going to take about two hours of time each week to go through the process. It's transformational, but it's hard work. And so if somebody wanted to go online and do that, just be ready to go to work.